0: Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Tanya.
1: And I'm Carrie.
0: We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee or a nice iced latte.
1: Mm-hmm. this is episode number 18. Today we're continuing our summer book club, chapters four through six of World Music Pedagogy, volume two by Amy Beagle and Christopher Roberts.
0: We'll also share highs and lows from our summer holidays and vacations. And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room.
1: So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So today we're gonna to start off with some highs and lows from our summer vacations. Yeah, We've both been on some wildly different summer vacations with yes. our families. So we thought we'd share some high notes and low notes. Yes, oh yes. So Tanya had an epic European adventure.
0: Well, yeah, um, <laughs> Austria and Germany. Um, my family went to Austria and Germany. Uh, we took our two children. Um, my, our son is 12 and um, our daughter is eight and so that that always complicates things a little bit sure um i mean they're they're a little bit older which is good because it's not like you have to worry about all of the you know little bitty kid things but yeah um yeah uh my husband and i we love to go to museums and stay there for hours and hours and look at all the things and um that's an awesome day of of, uh, vacation for us especially in europe yeah but kids aren't quite so down with that so (laughs) no we really tried hard to balance our our time with like a little bit of that but a little bit of like whole family more fun stuff which is why like on our um second to last day we found ourselves in legoland berlin nice Um, well it's not really legoland it's more like a play center thing not like a um outdoor amusement park it was like a literally underground you know Center where there's lots of Lego structures and things, and and things for kids to build. And there was a couple of you know rides, but anyway, that was not a high point or a low point. Well, actually, it's kind of a low point for me, but um, but for
1: the kids, but they for the kids,
0: them. and no, and 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 that was wonderful. seeing um, our daughter finally excited about, like, hey, we're gonna be here for hours and hours, yay! Uh, so. Our high my high point was when we were in Salzburg, we did the Fräulein Maria bike tour.
1: That's so cool. Which
0: is um, where you're with a group of people and you're all on bikes and um, the guide, she takes you around to different places where they filmed The Sound of Music.
1: Yay. And
0: it's really fascinating because, well, number one the uh the residents of salzburg don't care at all about the sound uh, sound of music uh-huh. it's a very american thing like yeah. many of them have not seen it and when they filmed it there was a lot of contentious things going on okay um and a lot of and it doesn't really make sense the whole um movie as far as where places wh- what's happening in each place so like um, when Maria's spinning around and singing on the hill, she's in Germany, actually. Oh, okay. right. So they would be, she would take us to uh, places and say, okay, so this is the monastery. And it makes no sense because it looked like it was just a short bus ride from here. But now we're going to go, you know, it's like the continuity is not there as sure. far as like the places go, but who cares? Yeah. And of course, there were times where we were riding through and singing. Um, I, I was the most exuberant singer, and <laughs> we were in a group of people who were not really. Not really all that into it but it was just so nice to be outside riding through it was so flat like when you bike ride in colorado you're gonna come it's up tiring against some hills no matter where you are yeah and um that was not the case is so flat in uh salzburg and it was you know a few hills here and there and so my kids could handle it and it was just a fantastic uh fun fun time that's awesome yeah um my low point would probably be um i don't do well with jet lag, and when yeah. we got to berlin initially i had a really horrible headache and um lots of vomiting happening but i lived and yeah. got through it and and there you go but anyway Yay. um yeah so if you look at our instagram feed you can see a few of our pictures my pictures from um, our travels in austria and in germany so yeah i tried to include musical things yeah yeah that's awesome. Yeah, and we got to see where Mozart was born. And, oh yeah. And Beethoven lived upstairs, four flights up. Yeah. Um, and so does my daughter's sweatshirt now. It lives upstairs. <sighs> she left her sweatshirt she, in Beethoven's yes. house. So for the rest of her life, she can say, "I left my black fleecy <laughs> yeah. hoodie."
1: Oh, was it her favorite one?
0: No, no. She oh. Okay. I mean, she wanted to She's go back okay. for it, and and we couldn't. It ended up, and she, and we were leaving. To get on the train now yeah. than to go to um, the next place, which I think was Fusen, Germany. And uh, she was like, But but, but my sweatshirt. I'm like, well,
1: it will live in Beethoven's house.
0: live in Beethoven's house. So tell me about your adventures.
1: Well, very different. Ah, uh, let's see. We were in Wisconsin. Yay. <laughs> so it's kind of a combination of summer camp and family reunion. My husband's family, they rent out this I, cabin retreat center. It's like kind of like a hotel. Mm-hmm. I mean, we each have our own rooms and our own bathrooms and all that. And it's part of a United Methodist camp in Wisconsin, and it's on a lake. And we have like this little dining hall to ourselves. So we cook our own meals and do the thing. But there's like 25 of us or so total, including my two children who are nine and six, and all their cousins are there, and we get to swim in the lake and go on boats. And different family members assume different responsibilities. So, like, my husband's uh, aunt brings all the crafting materials. So we did, like, tie-dye shirts one day, and the kids got to make these rockets out of pool noodles, and they painted, and she just brought tons of fun stuff if it was rainy, which it was a little rainy at the beginning of the week. And I'm kind of the kid wrangler, and I make sure everyone has sunscreen and bug spray, and that you depending on the today. time of day. Yeah. And, yeah, so it was just, you know, good old summer camp fun and not very music-y. Last year you we didn't bring able... your guitar and like no, sing alongs. No, I thought about it, but our car was starting to get a little full because mm-hmm. we we road tripped it from Colorado How long to Wisconsin. Um, if you don't really stop, like fifteen hours, mm-hmm. but obviously we stop. So we spent I mean, we we do it in two days, and we try to stop in fun places on the way. Like, I know where lots of splash parks and playgrounds and amusement park rides are between Colorado and Wisconsin. And the biggest popcorn
0: ball in the United States. Yeah, we
1: didn't stop at the biggest popcorn ball, though. I just saw a sign in Iowa for the biggest popcorn ball, but we didn't stop.
0: I want to know how old that popcorn ball is. I know.
1: It's probably kind of grody. Um, Yeah, so it's kind of good old, you know... American road trip fun, but we do it every year. And every year, I think, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this. But my kids obviously love to see their cousins. We love to see our family. Yeah, and it's really fun. It's really enjoyable. Um, so that was our trip. That's awesome. Um, let's see highs and lows though specifically. Um, I mean, just the high is the whole thing. Just being on the at the lake, and it's really quiet and. Yeah. um, Really fun swimming. My daughter, who's six, is, like, legitimately swimming now, which is really fun to see. That's Like, exciting. deep end and everything. Um, low note is probably just, like, we all got sunburned at some point. Yeah, like, that happens. I'm slightly peeling and lots of bug bites. And, you know, just a lot of family time, which give me a high. Is that high. a high? Is that low? I mean, a low? It's, it's great, but sometimes you just kind of want to be... Alone. Yes. And it's hard to be alone and there's a lot of kids and a lot of people. But I, I mean I wouldn't call that a low note, it's just kind of like part of the part of the deal. But it is. Um and just being in the car for two straight days. Like we got back yesterday. So if I sound a little groggy, that's why. Yeah. But overall
0: it was good. Awesome. it's time for our main theme so our summer book club for 2018 we have been discussing this fantastic book world music pedagogy volume 2 and we are now talking about chapters 4 5 and 6 right? yeah so right now we're <laughs> gonna just talk about chapter um, 4 and our takeaways from that and chapter 4 was all about performing world music and lots of ideas in here on how to get that going And what kind of themes you might have for a concert or performance um, and how to tackle that.
1: Yeah, I mean, my immediate first impression with this chapter is like, okay, I'm I'm already doing a lot of these kind of things or Mm -hmm. have done things, you know, integrating world music into performance. And it didn't seem, you know, as overwhelming as maybe some of the other things as far as like, I mentioned this in the first, in our first installment of our podcast talking about this, like, The idea of feeling a little guilty, like I'm not doing enough or I'm Mm -hmm. not doing it correctly or, you know, I wasn't getting as much of a feeling with that about performing. So that was good. Yeah. But I still appreciated It was very, as we've said with other chapters, very specific, really laid it down in a very logical way that if you're not already doing a lot of this or if you just need ideas to tweak what you're already doing, Mm -hmm. they really give you a lot of great specific.
0: Yeah. And some things that like struck me that I've never done before is I really like the idea of using a theme. Like he, uh, there's, they they mentioned songs of celebration Mm -hmm. where you're pulling in songs from a lot of different cultures. But then again, as I was like picking through that and I was thinking that would be awesome to just like have a theme, and um all of these songs from other places but in order for you to really properly introduce all of these songs and cultures it seems like the the time the
1: time right and we're
0: probably going to talk about that a lot because that's what really um my takeaway overall from these three chapters was a little bit of an overwhelming feeling of wow how does this fit in right with My curriculum. Right. And I imagine that if you do take the training in Seattle of world music pedagogy, that that's addressed. Yeah. Yeah. But
1: But I do appreciate, I mean, they're talking about the type of performance that it is representing what you're doing in class. Right. So we've talked about this before with other, you know, podcasts about just performing in general, that it's not the, okay, now we're going to stop working on what we've been working on to learn this, you know, quote unquote canned musical, you know we're going to learn these songs totally out of context of what we're already doing in class just for the sake of a performance. This is a performance that's organically built out of the world music experiences you're doing in class. Right. So in that way, the time doesn't seem so overwhelming. I mean, I get what you're saying. Like it depends
0: on the makeup of like, they were saying, you know, across grade levels doing say like a concert of lullabies. Yeah. And, and that makes sense. But if you're in a situation where you can't fit, An audience of more than one grade level yeah I mean when I first started teaching in New Mexico I did do a K through three concert right where every grade level was able to get up on the risers and perform two songs yeah and that was like I had one K through three performance one four through six performance and that worked beautifully because the school was small enough. Right. But these days, I can't really fit more than one grade level no, in.
1: Neither can I, and I. Yeah, I. I had that same thought too. That that definitely, if you teach in a smaller school mm-hmm. or a rural school or whatever, where you have you know one class per grade or maybe two tops. Right. You could do that, but yeah, in a school where you have three plus. Classes per grade level right unless you're like renting out a huge auditorium in your community I don't see right logistically.
0: that. And then if you weren't well. having a lot different grade levels cover different songs of freedom For example, um, it would be really unrealistic to think that you could do that many different cultures with one Exactly in addition to your own What you're doing in your curriculum like hey kids today, we're Brazil Hey, right. Uh, next week we're going to Mexico. Yeah, and you're not going to get the depth of
1: knowledge that you want. That no. That they're focusing on in overall in this whole
0: book. And and it's a big emphasis how mm-hmm. the depth of knowledge is really important and repeated listenings and all of these different ways to to listen. Um, so I just don't know how you'd have that kind of time.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I definitely. To me, the the idea of doing. Something that's maybe specifically from one culture or region, with multiple pieces of that region, seems more doable. Yeah. For me in my situation.
0: Yeah, and it's always—I mean—and we've talked about this before. It's nice when you can tie in to what they're already studying, mm-hmm. but again, the issue with that is—and—and I, and I gotta dig deeper into our district's social studies curriculum. But yeah, more and more it seems the, the they've dropped a lot of the world yes the world culture yes. studying like which i just don't understand right but i mean and that's not my area of expertise but they used to do a japan unit right? right and i used to do i pull in some really awesome musics and and things with fourth grade for their study of japan yeah they used to study africa and and they still do but it's really quick right which is ridiculous because i mean it's a continent. Yeah, um, and it's not as though you know anything in West Africa is is, is anything com- compared to South Africa. I mean, Africa is not one whole big umbrella. Like, right, there's so many ways you can go with that. So yeah. yeah, that that stymies me. But
1: I had that thought too, just in general about you know I don't know if you've had this happen where you know you're wanting to teach a song from. France and even just having kids understand the difference between a country versus a continent, Mm -hmm. a country versus a language, you know, they'll say, oh, they're speaking France while they're speaking French because they're from France. And I find even just like the nitty gritty logistical things that a lot of kids just don't understand, Uh again, because I think it's being dropped from day to day classroom experiences um, that not only are we teaching the musical elements, but we have to just teach basic Map reading and social studies, right? Skills.
0: Well, and they emphasize in the book in I think it was the last chapter though that we read um, how much maps can be used. In yeah, that. and and you're right because kids don't know that even my own children. Because this is funny, I was just now remembering that well, when our we had our trip in Austria and in Germany. We were changing locales like uh-huh. every three or four days oh, yeah and so i often would stop and say to my son or daughter okay um what city are you in yeah and what country are you in especially since we went to austria and germany because when we first got to austria and when we got to vienna well we landed in berlin and then the very next day i mean when we first left denver we went uh, to iceland and then to berlin um and then the very next day we got on a plane to go to austria to go to Vienna. Yeah. And so my kids, I was like, okay, we're, we're in Vienna. Where are you? Uh, Germany. No, no, we are in the country is Austria and they are not German. Yeah. And what, what city are you in? You're in Vienna. Like, so, and then we spent a lot of time like right on the border Mm -hmm. when we went to Fusen, when we went to Salzburg. And, um, so that was confusing to them.
1: Yes. Well, And granted, she's sick, so I'll give her a pass. But when we were taking our road trip, you know, every time you cross New State, it's like, hey, look up, we're in Nebraska. And my daughter's question every single time is, do they speak English in Nebraska? (laughs) Do they speak English in Wisconsin? I'm like, well, yes, technically. No, just kidding. No, no, no hate to you, Wisconsin folk. There are some different words for different things. But yes, so and even my son, though, who's going to fourth grade, didn't. I could tell he was struggling with what's the difference between a state versus a country. And I don't know. Maybe I just feel like back in our day, that was something that was a little more ingrained. Yeah. So I I struggle with this. Like, yeah, I want to do all this stuff, but I don't want to spend. And they do address this later on. We'll talk about this. I think it was in chapter eight. Right? No. Excuse me. Seven, six, I don't know. I'm all out. <laughs> oh wait, no. Um, sorry. We're doing four, six. five, and six. We're Chapter four, five, six. six. They talk a lot about this, so we'll talk about this later. About you know the time that you're going to spend being a music teacher exactly. versus being a social teacher. And you really have to be teacher. aware of that too. <laughs> Or and,
0: or a civics teacher. Like yeah. When you're talking about social injustice exactly. or gender roles and all of that. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, I I was really I really appreciated. All of the very specific things to include when you're performing world music. Like, mm-hmm. And I love having kids introduce the song yeah. and bringing to it like the information. And I am guilty of writing it out and having the kids read it. And, and that's great. Yeah. But really, it would be wonderful if you could have the kids write it. Right. right? If it could come from them
1: and that's something that i did um i might have talked about this in a previous podcast so sorry if i'm repeating myself but um for there was a while where all the fifth graders at my former school were always they did like a countries around the world thing where each student had a different country and they'd put together a poster board and you know Ah, the whole research project thing and then i piggybacked on that and i just tried to choose like one country from from each continent so to kind of go around the world but not think of it as a continent think of it as a specific country and we would do a song from a specific country and then with the help of the teacher we would select a subgroup of kids who were in charge of creating digital presentations so they would do the research and then they created like a little video that included pictures you know map pictures and cultural pictures and then it was them speaking in the video so they weren't doing it live they weren't speaking live but mm-hmm. it was them speaking on the video oh, that's awesome with their pictures and then that gave us time to change you know the setup of instruments or get ready to do whatever yeah. song we were doing What a great inclusion yeah that works really well so i'm hoping to be able to do something like that next time i do a and what grade is this i did that with fifth graders okay and, and do they know... still
0: like pick a a,
1: a country and, and well this was my former school so oh, okay. this was a while ago um yeah, I don't even think... And that was just upon the, the teachers that that was kind of became their tradition. Uh-huh. And then they did, like, a cultural fair at the end of the year where the kids brought in food. and. Oh, nice. So the music program was not necessarily during that week because that was always, like, one of the last weeks of school, and I don't like doing my programs in May. Yeah. It's a little crazy. But I would do the programs kind of while they were in the midst of their research, which mm-hmm. was kind of a cool thing. Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed doing that as part of... You know, having the kids be, like you said, the kids be in charge of doing the research. But it took a lot of time because then that group of kids, since it wasn't all of the kids, I had to give up a lot of my personal planning time and lunch time to have kids come in and do the research. So like I would supervise them in the computer lab while they're doing their research and edit their presentations with them. And So it takes a lot of time, but I mean, it was well worth it in the end, but you have to decide.
0: Yeah, and in reading this, I really, I honestly have not... Um, I don't think I've gone deep enough when we do, yeah, you know, songs from other countries. And yeah, that's my other...
1: overall takeaway from this whole book: uh-huh. is just going deeper with the information, right? Versus because just especially when where you do it on a map, yeah, and
0: yeah. If you do like holidays around the world, and like yeah. do a sampling of winter holidays. That's all fine and good, but I wonder the kids must just be kind of confused. Yeah, you know. Oh, totally. So it would be really nice, and we keep coming back in this book to the idea of having a culture bearer and yes. how meaningful that is yeah and um i like how they give um suggestions later on and i guess it's boy we keep talking about chapter, chapter six. six that's funny about <laughs> like how to find a culture bearer yeah and um i was trying to think like do in? i put something in the school newsletter, le- new newsletter and say hey call on all culture bears. culture bears what you got
1: yeah I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's something I definitely want to commit more time to is finding the people to come in. And I like in this chapter in particular, they talk about then including the culture bears in the performance, oh, yeah. which totally makes sense and would be really fun for the community to see as well. Definitely something that I also really liked from this chapters. They talked about um, having the audience participation piece Mm -hmm. um, And really, you know Including the audience as as much as having the students go out to their their family member or whoever and teaching them a little part to the song or teaching them steps to a dance and then having them get up and dance Yeah And and
0: I am happy to say that that's a piece that I've included for years now where I try to have the last piece of the concert be either a sing-along or a um, now you're gonna dance with us yeah. or I think that's just so important like to build that community music making mm-hmm. um, no matter what your music of the concert is. yeah so I've been really trying to include more of that. Um, I had some parents come and play guitar for this land is your land yeah. um, and that was that was really fun because uh, most recently but it's it's great to have like individuals, and that would be a fantastic thing for a culture bearer to do, is bring in that instrument. and it's it's, yeah, I could see being so it would be so much more meaningful than um, just coming from me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So moving on to chapter five, which is all about creating world music.
0: Yeah. Fascinating. And I'm gonna be honest,
1: Let's totally overwhelmed. Yes, I agree. We, I mean, all amazing, wonderful ideas, but it just goes back to the timepiece, right? Yes. Because not only, I mean, composition and improvisation in general is a difficult thing. That's
0: something I struggle with because yes, I do too. And and it's a fantastic way to show mastery, mm-hmm. and it's something that um, by the time we get to the point where we can improvise or create or do a composition thing. I mean, I'm thinking back to just some simple composition uh, things I've done with different grade levels and I, it always takes like twice as long as I want it to take. Yeah. Um, Agreed. And then you're adding
1: the layer of now you also have to have the, the cultural representation, you know, Mm -hmm. composing or improvis improvising in the style of, which Mm -hmm. means that on top of it, they will have had all this background knowledge, which Again, if you're integrating it as a regular part of your classroom, maybe that's not such a big deal. And maybe after taking the course, you might find that to be a little bit more of a seamless part of your class. But that just takes a huge depth of knowledge to be able to have them you know, yeah. do that in a culturally responsive way.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and the case is made over and over again in this chapter about how important creating is. Yes. And I, of course, and that, you know, it's part of our national core art standards in the United States and Singapore and Ireland and Finland. And yeah. And and I'm very aware of that. And this is one of those areas where I always know I'm I'm very aware that I need to do more and more of it. How, how do you get to this in a, you know, and, and be um, respectful of this other culture the immersion that they have to have, yeah, in the in that culture, on top of the musical skills strength, the strength right. of the musical skills. I mean, for me to get kids to improvise singing in a in pentatony mm. is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Let alone like giving them like the the Indian um, scale. That's right, not I, it's just not going to happen in my world. Right, like unless it's over a long period of time i don't i don't know i when i was reading this chapter i got i got very frustrated just because i kept everything i everything i would read that would be like oh my gosh that's a great idea and when's that gonna happen yeah
1: yeah so agreed something that i do appreciate though that they pointed out is this idea of like authenticity as far as classroom culture that every music classroom has its own classroom culture Uh through its own routines and procedures and the way that you do things already so i'm just going to read this quote um this is on page 118 says as music travels from place to place and across time it always changes sound in some way and therefore all music is quote-unquote authentic to the people who study and find meaning in the music so that did put my mind at ease as far as like Obviously, we're not going for this perfection, and Mm -hmm. there's going to be things that when you're listening to in authentic, you know, world music, that your students will just simply not be able to do Mm -hmm. because they're children. And there's things that you and I won't be able to do very well because it's not an authentic thing that we grew up with. Sure. But if you're doing it as as authentically as you can within the constraints of your own classroom and your own routine and, and what you know your kids can do, that's okay. Right. That's the goal really, yes. at the end. So not to stress out too much, but right. I, I do also know exactly
0: what you're saying well, about and the time. Well, then when you get to the end of the chapter and they give the six ways to create mm-hmm. using world music pedagogy, and then there was some, you know, a little more easy... Uh, strategies right. to right there like are some things if you're extending dip in your toe in yes. dipping
1: your foot in then I was like okay and then when it got to the last couple I was like wow that's definitely maybe a goal to work up to but I'm not ready to jump into like songwriting in particular they talked about at the end what a challenging activity writing a song is because not only do you have to know about harmonic structure to the music you have to talk about lyrical structure right. and wow there's so much to that Um, that that would be to me an overwhelming thing to like try to do year one. But, you know, if I'm trying to incorporate some of these things into my classroom this year, you know, they talked first about extending a listening section, a selection that you're already doing. Mm -hmm. So taking something that the kids are familiar with, that they've been interacting with, and just extending it somehow, adding an introduction or adding a coda. That to me is very doable.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. And and that's that's comforting for sure. Um, Reading through some of the episodes where they outline having kids compose Mm -hmm. again. um, I was thinking over how many class periods would this be able to happen? And does this take, does this take over a whole class period? Right. You know, I mean, again, it's that whole fitting it in piece. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm being really negative.
1: No, I think that's a genuine response that, I think probably a lot of people had to reading this. But then
0: there was, like, there there were some things that I took away that I was thinking, okay, that's totally doable. Like, using poetry, having the kids write poetry or a verse, and then adding music to it. Or definitely rhythmic things. Sure. You know, which you, you know, I, I've already done some of that within a drum circle. Yeah. But just making sure that it is uh, appropriate culturally. Right. And that it... Is more in keeping with a specific culture because I don't know about you, but when I've done my drum circles, I have not said, "And now this is a." Well, actually, that's not true. I I have had some like Ghana pieces that I yeah. have learned that I have passed on to kids, but I haven't been really. We haven't gone deep. Yeah. You know, I haven't been very specific about. Okay, well, in this culture, you wouldn't play. You wouldn't emphasize this beat of the pattern. Right. You know, I haven't gone there.
1: Well, and I think. Again, as Kodai-inspired educators, we have to take pause as far as, you know, our usual go-to with composing and improvising, at least for me, I'll speak for me, Mm -hmm. is, you know, okay, you're going to write a composition and you must use tikka-tikka because Mm -hmm. that's our new rhythmic element. Yeah. So taking away, if you feel that that's within the culture that you're working with, you know, it talked about that a lot in this chapter too, that, you know, the majority of culture, you know, music... Well, I don't know if I can say majority. A lot of the music throughout the world is not written down. It's oral tradition. Mm-hmm. So are you going to have the students be aware concretely of the elements that they're using? Are you going to have them write them down? Are you going to have them use rhythm language? No. Or are you going to strip no, all of that away I think 100%? That it has to
0: be... For it to be authentic, I think that once you start putting those kind of labels on it. Doesn't that kind of narrow them? Perhaps, but I
1: think, and maybe I'm thinking, well, no, I think you could think of it totally too. I mean, you talked about the scale, like talked about, you know, the different types of scales. I mean, I think Within composition and improvisation, there has to be some awareness of musical elements. Well, yes. And I think, again, going back to what's authentic within our own classroom, if the majority of experiences that our students are having is with concrete notation, mm-hmm. that doesn't seem right to completely rip that away from them. So if you're doing something, you know, drumming, for mm-hmm. example, you can talk about syncopation. You can listen for syncopation. You might not have the kids sitting there going syncopatita. Right, but there's but different syncopations. Can, exactly. And that's what you're and, come I up mean, with. you can at least talk about it in terms of syncopation. Do you feel the rhythms that are off the beat? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so you can talk and then relate it back to. Remember, we learned about syncopat, but then take it further. But then you're
0: going back more to the feel of it. Yeah. And yeah. so. For example, let's say you are doing some syncopated rhythms from another culture, and it's not syncope, it's not your eighth yeah. quarter, eighth. Right. It's different. Oh, yeah. If the kids stop you and go, well, what would that look like? Are you going to go there?
1: Well, probably not. Because <laughs> A, I don't have time. And no, I mean, B, then you would say to the kids, you know, we're going to go with the tradition of, of doing this, you know, completely with our ears and feeling and right. not break it down into notation but i think about myself as a student as a learner Mm -hmm. i needed things written down and i still do as an Mm -hmm. adult as a kid in my own classroom would i be able to handle that that would probably stress me out and
0: that's the thing you're going to have different kids like yeah i i rely on my ear more than anything else yeah that is like my strength and a weakness because you know i rely on it too much and so i completely comfortable. Like, you're never going to show me this rhythm. That's cool. I'm fine with that. Yeah. But what about I, the kids I'm that the are like the complete opposite.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I know I'm, I'll be curious to see how that pans out. I think it's just something I'll have to experience and kind of go with my gut when I see it. Exactly. Um, but yeah, we have to be aware of that in all these experiences. But I think especially when it gets to that pon- point of composing. You yeah. know, because to me, that traditional idea of composing is you write it down. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even says it specifically in here, it's more about the memorization, the planning, the mm-hmm. memorization, and the recreation of what exactly. you wrote. But then that to me also sounds challenging. Like they talked about an example, one of the examples, one of these um, episodes where the teacher says, All right, well, be sure to remember what you did so you can share next time.
0: Well, then well, you have to record it. Yeah, I, I think
1: kids would stress iPad, out about
0: that. You take your iPad and you do your seesaw and you have them record it so and they can, so they can play. It.
1: Yeah, I just Yeah, that one little thing stuck out to me as, as being a little bit like, oh gosh, at least I know a lot of my students would freak out about that. Well, you know,
0: and it might be really freeing for some students that, okay, I don't have to be responsible True. for writing this down i don't have to like decode and, and figure out exactly what this melody is yeah and so you know that that might really um help kids blossom as far as their their composition True. techniques and they it's don't pushing write it us as
1: teachers out of our own comfort zone too of what we always do And by us as teachers, I mean me. (laughs) Yeah. With the whole writing it down and notating it, like that's I'm such a visual person, I'm such a write it down person, that this to me is just very new and a little bit scary. But doesn't mean I won't try. Well, (laughs) yeah, yeah. You know, in in, little bits and
0: pieces. (laughs) In little bits and pieces, and I think it would be interesting. Like we haven't talked off the mic about this, but I think it would be interesting at our for our next podcast to talk about um some solid like what we plan to do yeah
1: i think that's a good idea i mean
0: i'll tell you right now i'm not throwing away everything and just going with well sure yeah, yes, no, of course I but i think but I'd want to this. make a plan for the next school year of like yeah. okay i think i can bring this in and i think i'm going to use this music and i think i'm going to use this i'm i might just like focus on one grade level yeah i think begin that's a with. great idea um and also, at the I love how at the end of several of these chapters, there's a teacher feature. Yes. And so this teacher, um, Tim Fucht, Fucht, Fuchtman, man, um, who has been teaching for a long time, there's this fantastic picture of him with all these instruments from around the world. Um, man, I want to be his student teacher.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Because
0: it just sounds like he ha- well, he really goes after getting kids immersed in the culture. Yeah. And what did I, I didn't, I don't think I highlighted it, but he he says, I love it when kids walk in and say, why are you wearing a dress? Yeah, because he's got the costumes. He
1: talked about having money. I like that idea. Not costumes,
0: appropriate Cultural. Well,
1: yeah, no, excuse me. (laughs) That's important to point out. Thank you. He has the clothing, the The dress. The dress, Um, yes. But just to have something tactile, and I talk about that in the next chapter as well. Something tactile for the students to see and feel. Yes. Yeah, he had a lot of great ideas. Um, Yeah, I enjoy these teacher things because it just makes it sound like
0: real life. And it makes you want to just collect all the instruments. I'll do all
1: the things. (laughs) A little
0: aside, when I was in Salzburg, and if you look at our Instagram, um, feed, you can see some of these pictures. I came upon this fantastic music store. Yeah. And it was so small, and, like, there was instruments, wall to wall, and had it had so many instruments that I had never seen before. Yeah. And I bought an Embira, you know, a thumb piano right. that is connected, like, it looks like it's connected to a hand drum. Yeah. And it amplifies it. Okay. And then when you put it on a, a surface and you play along, you can, like, also... Um, affect the sound by bringing the the whole instrument up and down and up and down. So it, it kind of gives some vibrato to it.
1: That's cool. But I'm thinking when you show that to your kids, that brings a whole la- layer of confusion that you bought that in Vienna.
0: <laughs> no, it's Salzburg.
1: <laughs> oh, it's Salzburg. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> you bought it
1: in Salzburg, but then it's a well west Western African. I should know this, but but keep going. It's still uh, well, going to be cool. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: it's a one... And this this music store, and I put the link in our um, Instagram feed yeah. like, along with the pictures. There's another one in Canada, too. Yeah. And of, of this, like, it's a chain store, but okay. there's, like, three of them. Worldwide. That, worldwide, oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, but a lot of these music instruments were um, music therapy-like instruments. Oh, right, Apparently, okay. Salzburg has a really... Um, I don't know, like lively music therapy. Uh, understanding or group, it, there was this harp chair where you there. It's, it was a chair, and on either side there were these strings,
1: so you could feel the vibrations. So you when you feel the, the vibration, chair. but oh,
0: cool. you, as the sitter, you're not playing. Ah. Somebody stands behind you. And plate.
1: That just sounds lovely. I know, and there
0: was this singing rock too Ooh. that it was like this huge it looked like a boulder even that had these huge slits in it. And she got her hands wet, the woman who um owned the store, and rubbed her hands on different slabs and it created different tones and she said, Oh, this is uh, very good for uh it resonates throughout, you know, I don't know, different areas of your of your body and interesting yeah so i really Different don't chakras yeah, i guess <laughs> uh wow. um, we were there for a long time and i'm still stymied by like what what's this what's yeah. this I, I had to i mean i was planning on buying something anyway but i had to buy something to leave because i felt like all right i've been taking a blood. of time it's not a
1: museum here. it's a store <laughs> exactly
0: and i have a little video of um
1: was that where the gong was the gong, the gong? yeah okay yes that was cool
0: and, uh, yeah, that was very cool. Cause usually you see a gong and you just hear, you, you expect to hear crash, crash, yeah. but he was able to like, really, sound like, like an alien.
1: Yeah. That's really neat. You know,
0: from a movie. Anyway, I, I digress. Um,
1: but now you have something to show your students. That's exactly. What you're going with. Yeah. Right. Having a collection of instruments to actually show the kids. is really important.
0: I don't know if it's going to happen. Like it has happened for Tim here in the, the teacher feature, um, Because he's got some awesome things. And it's just he's really um, committed to introducing his students to all of these things. But anyway, um, I I think it's awesome that within the book they just show, hey, look, it's happening in real life. (laughs) Yeah, this really can happen. This really can happen. Don't be scared. That's good. And moving on to Chapter 6, which we've already given some lip service to, yeah, is all about integrating world music.
1: Well, they even say it at the beginning of the chapter is that, you know, this is really, you're going to be doing this throughout. Right. It's not like you're going to not talk about this piece until after you've done creating. This is happening throughout the whole thing. Because this is really the background knowledge piece. Right, where exactly. Where you're giving the kids you know, hopefully a good, a good amount of background knowledge into what they're learning about.
0: Right. And I, and I love how they include, Hey, when we hear certain songs, depending on what culture you're in or what culture you're from and your experiences with that, it's going to bring up, you know, certain feelings or, or actions like when you hear, here comes the bride. Yeah. If you are in, you know, North America, you expect to, almost like pavlovian you stand and you yep. look towards the, the back, the back, back of see, the room Who's um, there? when i hear pomp and circumstance i start to tear up it's oh, like I know. so you know yeah weird
1: yes i hear you
0: <laughs> even when nothing's happening just right you know
1: and so. they talk about i mean that again that's done so well so logically they break it down into three different types of integration that you're going to do Mm -hmm. so first is you know just from specifically from the music you know what are you hearing what instruments are you hearing and then going into it from there the next one is talking more about the culture the geography history cultural celebrations but the third piece that I think this is where I really want to dig a little deeper is Going into then the issues Mm -hmm. that either the music brings up or the culture in general. So these are the things that are going to come up about gender, race, class, nationality. Right. You know, like you mentioned, the songs of protest and those kind of things. And I think especially for upper grades, but still even with younger grades. Right. This is where I really want to get into a little bit more. Yeah. Being mindful of time, though. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That always goes back
0: to time. Yeah. Yeah. I think I highlighted a a bunch of times where it says "Um, keeping it... If it's a talk and, and, and tell yeah. from the teacher, keeping it to two to three minutes. Yes, and, yeah, and those you don't want to be up
1: there lecturing to the kids.
0: Right, and this is where it would pay off to have some more creative waves of passing on this information. Right. You know? um, I was trying to think about, like, oh, I wonder if I could do like a write-the-room activity uh-huh. around um, a piece of music, around a specific culture Yeah, um, with little clues. I mean, I, it's a little gimmicky Sure. But it's the novelty that might hold their interest and lead them to really remember right? some of these facts about, you mm-hmm. know, that culture.
1: And they talked about, you know, obviously including visual things, PowerPoints and things. But this would also be a great place where if you have access to personal devices, iPads and such, mm-hmm. you know, me with my, my gung-ho on Seesaw, you know, yeah. to create a little Seesaw lesson that's interactive that the kids, you know, something short and quick. This would also be great stuff now that I'm just talking, thinking like to do when you're gone with a sub, Mm -hmm. you know, if you had this stuff. You do like a treasure hunt thing
0: where they have to find um, this piece of information on the iPad. They have to read this piece of information over here. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, But that that could could work.
1: Yeah. Um, They also go into a lot in this chapter, again, about the idea of having the culture bearer um, be present for that part of it. And even different levels of, of being a culture bearer, whether it's somebody who is, you know, really from that culture or someone who's just spent time there. Or even someone who just went on a quick vacation there and can bring back a couple pictures. You know, even that can be effective. Yeah. And then how how to find your culture bearers. Right, yes. (laughs) How to different, you know, to be able to reach out to organizations and if you have a university close by. But really starting with your school culture, which I think is really important. Right. You know, if you have parents or community members or teachers or staff members. And that might
0: drive what music you're doing in the first place. Exactly. Um, And I I also really appreciate this, connecting it to the children's lives. Like, what's going to interest them um, is okay, so kids from this culture, how do they play? Yes. And what do they wear? And um, I liked that bit about uh, the um, the group where it's made up of three middle-aged men and a child and, and how that's an interesting piece. Yeah, what how does that? the
1: child get involved in the music and how did they learn? Yes. Um, yeah, I highlighted, um, you know, when you're thinking of what you're going to be talking about the kids, that there's two principles. One, think like a child. Think Mm -hmm. about what's going to be interesting to them. And the other is identify the most important factors relevant to the musical musical example. So don't go off on too much of a tangent, like they talked about sports specifically. Right, Like kids love to learn about sports, but Uh if you go into too much of a tangent of what sports are played in a particular country, you've lost sight of what the connection to the music and why you're talking about that.
0: Definitely. And that can be a landmine for me. I know I've gone off on tangents Uh, when talking about like specific cultures and things that I find fascinating and I want to share. And I'm like, okay, now back to our song, which has nothing to do with what we were just saying, but yeah. Yeah. That is a good. So like, I
1: mean, once again, thank you, Christopher and Amy, because there's lots of very specific questions, very specific ideas, of, of where to take this. more Way more ideas than you would ever be able to integrate into every single piece. So you really have to pick and choose what what is appropriate for that particular song or culture that you're working on.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just flipping through. <laughs> I, know, I, I, I love the episode 6.6, The Whistling Gypsy, um, yes. because my personal connection is actually through Christopher Roberts' is, When he came and presented uh, for Rocky, oh my gosh, how many years ago? Like lots of, he's presented for our chapter, our Kodai chapter, more than once, but um, um, I was president at the time and he came out and he presented and he brought his dulcimer and he sang the Whistling Gypsy um, to us and it was just mesmerizing. Mm, I love that um, song. It's such a lovely song. And uh, the Jill Trinka version is mentioned in here too, which is also lovely. and then Pete Seeger does yeah. one too. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, that was just a fun little um, a little you know, connection. A little connection and the talk about um, now I was confused and I gotta look this up, but I thought that at this point gypsies was a derogatory term and that, that we were and it does mention that they are sometimes referred to as travelers. Right. But I really don't know like Well,
1: it says that well, in the example it does say that while others find it to be a marker of pride Right. They're calling the group Gypsy.
0: So being so far removed from this culture, it's like, um, how, I don't know, how much of a landmine is that? Right.
1: Should we be singing
0: Gypsy in the Moonlight? Right.
1: I don't know either. Well, we'd have to do more research, which I guess is the whole inspiration of this book, is to (laughs) immerse ourselves more in that. And then in reference to what this example is talking about, being honest with the kids as far as... Do you think it's okay that we're that we're singing this song? Do you think and then having the kids hash that out? Right. You know, it talked about different ideas of that, that you can even set it up like a debate, you know, assigning kids to either camp and having them, you know, hash it out amongst themselves. Right. I think but then again, there's that time there's at, the time please. issue. Yes. But I mean what a what a really wonderful like depth of knowledge experience. Right. And, and what
0: I always when I when these things happen in, in my classroom where kids are like talking about these things, yeah. I always like to Try to wrap it up with, isn't this awesome that music is helping us come to this? And
1: that's what it is. I think always bringing it back to the music in yeah. the end, no matter what you're doing. Like, bringing it back to the music class back and reminding them that's that's what we're here for. Exactly. I'm your music teacher. <laughs> that's what we're here to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then with this, you always have to be aware and of your community. Mm-hmm. And of your parents and I don't I mean if you teach for any amount of time You're gonna get called out on things that maybe um, You should change and maybe you shouldn't Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I've had I've had parents who have contacted me about certain songs that they think that we shouldn't be doing for whatever reason right and and that's always a hard call because I think when I was a beginning teacher I would just acquiesce immediately and say, oh my gosh, you're totally right. I'll never do that song again, you know, and I was just trying to be a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. Um, But nowadays I really try to be very open-minded and, you know, look at things and say, okay, well, is this something that I should not do with kids because this is, you know, fraught with the problems that this parent brought up, or is this something that's a little more personal to that parent and that family? Right. Right, so, um, for example, a few years ago, I had a parent who emailed me who was upset because we were doing "Old Roger is Dead,"
1: right? And yeah, it's oftentimes the death. Songs, it's the death right? songs,
0: and, um, uh, and and it was it's understandable because her son recently they had a death in the family of an mm-hmm. uncle, a beloved uncle, and it was making him upset, mm-hmm. and. Um, she she asked if we could just or she she asked me if if i could just make it be be like um about a dead leaf or something okay and the (laughs) and tactfully i said well we're we're done with that song in your son's class so that's not going to happen anymore And i i I understand and i i am sensitive and i appreciate that um and i try to also try to also tactfully say wow, isn't this, you know, this is interesting that, that, you know, music can be, can bring up a lot of things. Right. And so that's, that, that's kind of valuable. Right. That this can, you can deal with these things through music. Right. Um, not changing a folk song to be about a dead leaf. Right. Um, in the future. (laughs) Uh, and, uh.
1: Well, and it's hard because you want to make sure the parent knows you hear them and you're sensitive and you don't want to come off as condescending. But this whole idea of music being, especially folk music, being a way for children to deal with these things that are going on around them. Mm -hmm. I mean, all these folk songs that have these deeper meanings, you know, Um, and and help heal and, and just think about and deal with things that are scary. Mm-hmm. But that's a big topic to explain to a parent who it in is. that moment is just worried about their kid being right. sad. Yeah. You
0: know. That and, is a hard call. And most of the time when when parents contact me, it is about them their their child being really sad or it's stirring yeah. up emotions and um i go, well, now they they found an art form that can help them deal with things there is what go. I really want to say and say, yeah. wow, here's –
1: this is this is actually <laughs> – As you said, we're done with that song anyway. <laughs> we're so done with <laughs> that song. We
0: won't be doing it again. Never mind. It's yeah. all good. So, but
1: if, but if you weren't done with it, what would you have done? Um, would you have kept going?
0: No, I probably would have been done with it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not –
1: You have to know kind of your battles. I mean, yeah. pick your battles kind of a thing.
0: The, the way I was using it in my curriculum wasn't – you know, there's so many other songs I can you could use. Have we experienced that else. song. Sure. It's not, you know, I'm not gonna die on the hill for that song. Exactly. There's others, but not that one. Yeah, so,
1: that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So let it be. Yeah.
1: Oh, something else I just wanted to briefly mention. Um, You know, they talk about as far as a, a great aid for integrating world music is the use of picture books oh yes right mm-hmm. and this is something that you and I were talking off the microphone that maybe we want to circle back to about using picture books and in particular folk tales to introduce children to a particular culture and you had mentioned using that for performances oh as yeah well.
0: yeah I was surprised that wasn't mentioned in the chapter all about performances because right. I know you've done this and I I mean oh, yeah. you did little rojo riding hood <laughs> well right yeah. But, I mean, I have taken, like, folk tales from specific cultures and fleshed them out with with music. And it's not 100% authentic because, you know, because I am... Well, I don't know. It's hard to say. But um, using that as, like, a mini-musical idea and having kids act it out and and putting the songs from that culture in there, Mm -hmm. um, I think, is another great way to do a performance.
1: Yeah. Well, I did... um you know the mitten is you know the lovely little story in the winter about the little boy and yeah. and, and I don't is that set in Russia the Ukraine I don't know I think know. It's, it's the Ukraine but I used troika at the end and that was like we did a little folk dance to troika at the mm-hmm. end so maybe not every single song that we did in that program was of that culture but we finished with that folk dance and we incorporated some of that into there right. and I did talk to the kids about the culture and there's so, so much yeah, talk absolutely. um
0: in here about how folk tales go hand in hand with so much of the music. Oh yeah. Do you know the book The Singing Sack? Do you have that book? Um, I think I've mentioned it before. You've
1: mentioned it, and I don't have this book.
0: Oh, it's it's I fantastic because it, it's you um keep talking about Yeah, it. it's a few different folk <laughs> tales from different parts of the world and the CD recording that comes with it is just great.
1: Okay. Um, anyway, That'll be on my purchase list. So uh, it might be
0: a... I got to look. I'll, I'll put a link something? in the show notes. But you can still get. I'm not sure. You know, I I hate it. I guess I'm... I know I keep circling around to how old I am. But I'm to the <laughs> point where, like, all these things I consider must-have books are, like, out of print. Uh, yeah,
1: a lot of these things are out of print now. Yeah. Well, all right. We'll anyway. Let's see if we can find it.
0: So... Back to this chapter six about integrating world music, of course. And it's, and they made the, the case earlier. They said, well, of course, you've been doing this all along. But right. just to be very clear that this is a very important piece. Right. Um,
1: and they were very specific in saying that you wouldn't, in a lesson or a lesson segment, just do this integrating piece without some sort of active musicking to go right. along with it. They didn't talk a lot about that. In the book, because, or in this chapter, because this was specifically about how to do the integration piece, but it did say that you're either going to be doing some sort of a active music-making experience before or after right. or both. You're
0: not turning into a social studies class who exactly. listens to music. It's
1: always going back to the music, right. which I 100% agree with and appreciate them explicitly mentioning.
0: Exactly. And then there's another inclusion of a, um, a teacher. Yes. Who is Julie... Froud.
1: Yeah. And, she and she's a
0: specialist in Japanese, Japanese culture. And, and she has, she grew up or spent her early childhood mm-hmm. um, in Japan. And so uh, that was just.
1: Yeah. And she gave some specific examples of things that she has done that her students love. Yeah. Liked. And so she again, was talking I about love, stick
0: games. And I was like, oh, yay. Yeah.
1: I like these, you know, little teacher interviews at the end because it always brings it back to this real people is, are doing Real people, this. Yeah. real stuff going on in the classroom every day. Time for our CODA section, where we each share a professional or personal recommendation. And, Tanya, you're up first today. What you got?
0: Well, it's all about the personal, not all the right. professional, because, you know, we need some distance. Yes. Um, so, okay, I'm going to recommend a podcast, and I know I've been recommending podcasts, and maybe that's getting old, and I don't care. Um, I need
1: new podcasts, though. Awesome. Okay. I'm ready.
0: So, first question, have you been watching Queer Eye? No, oh, I haven't, yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it,
1: there's been too much traveling with not enough Wi-Fi, so I'm, I am ready to binge watch,
0: yes, well, the queer eye the second season came out while we were in Germany, yeah, and um because we were at a place that we had wi fi and everything, yeah. I watched not the entire season but almost uh,
1: that's how i did season one i mean i have watched all of season one but i haven't started season two yeah oh
0: yeah. yeah so yeah well anyway i watched the i watched queer eye the first time it came and i don't mean like these guys like
1: no the first go around. the first go around yeah. and loved oh, yeah. it and was Me so too. excited
0: when the second good i like gobbled them up and Ben watched them binge watched them and now i'm trying hard to like save some yes um, anyway, so I'm sure if you are familiar with with Queer Eye, then you have seen Jonathan Van Ness. He is the um, grooming expert. Oh yes, with, with you the know long locks. with the long, with the long, locks, luscious locks. Um, who is you know super charismatic uh-huh. and talks a mile a minute and talks in memes and you either love it or hate it. Uh huh. At
1: first, I hated it, uh but he grew on me awfully quickly. Yeah.
0: You know, it's interesting because I have come across... I mean, you come across people with that personality, and sometimes you're like i'm exhausted and sometimes you're like oh wow give me more right so i think he's kind of an oh wow give me more so he has a podcast called getting curious with jonathan van ness and in his podcast it's he talks about he talks to an expert of whatever he is curious about so he has had some fantastic episodes and i've been like going back and listening to all and this podcast has been out for a couple of years Okay. But he is fantastic. So he has talked to his co stars. He's had like interviews with them. Yeah. But um, my whole family would listen to one about bees call, um, called, um, How Can We Be Less Rude to Bees? Oh. And he talks cute. to a bee expert. Um, so it's kid friendly. No, he podcast. says the F word a lot.
1: Oh. OK, it's
0: my kid friendly because they're, <laughs> they've
1: listened to Hamilton enough
0: because we've heard so much Hamilton <laughs> that I'm like, they're going to hear a few F's. That's oh, OK. okay. okay. You know.
1: But the content is not bad.
0: No, no. The content's fantastic. I mean, there are some episodes that you don't want to listen to with kids. Um, there was an episode on uh, how do we cut suicide rates among um, LGBTQ btq oh, wow. so it gets uh, heavy youths. it gets heavy but um yeah it's just it's fantastic it's 30 minutes or he tries to make it 30 minutes it's been on for a couple of years and i'm just having a blast listening to um jonathan van ness so if you're into him yeah if you if you just want more and more and more that's a fantastic way um via his podcast getting curious with jonathan van ness i'll leave a leave a link in the show notes and um it's been awesome
1: that's awesome well, mine is a little similar to what you're talking about. Okay. So I this is kind of a spinoff on a, on a former CODA. So I have recommended in the past the podcast Armchair Expert with mm-hmm. Dax Shepard. And I have this listened to some. From Parenthood. And I know he can rub people the wrong way. There are some episodes that I haven't even made it the whole way through because I'm like, yeah, I'm just done with you. I guess it depends on the person who he's interviewing. <laughs> he comes off very arrogant. Sometimes and... he does. But... He has kind of started this new twist Well, he's had one so far, but he said he's going to have more Where he calls it experts on expert Where he has an actual real expert on something Not just him. So not just him (laughs) being an armchair expert. So the first one that he had was with uh, Dr. Wendy Mogul, who is an author and child psychologist. And so this kind of crosses the line between personal and professional, because obviously I have children. And so it was really interesting. But I think uh, teachers, if you do not have children, but you just want to have more of that kind of world of Child Psychology, I think even as, as a teacher without kids, it would be an interesting thing to listen to. Yeah. It's and it kinda makes me want to read yeah. some of her stuff. She's she's got an interesting take on things. Okay. Um, and some things I was like, yeah, all four, and some things I was a little bit eyebrow raising, like, ooh, that goes against maybe some of the modern millennial way of thinking of things, I Interesting. guess. So I have to listen. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this particular ep- episode because it's an actual expert who has background knowledge in what they're talking about. And it's about kids. So this cool. particular episode is really good. reach the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk.
0: Show notes can be found at Teaching Music, Tanya's Kodai Aspiring Blog. And connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, just look for the Music Teacher Coffee Talk.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this
0: podcast. And in our next episode, we will discuss Chapter 7 of World Music Pedagogy, Volume 2, and we'll also talk about how we plan to integrate some of the strategies from the book. That show will drop on July 15th. Until next time, this is Tanya.
1: And this is Carrie. wishing you happy musicking.